0: Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm your host, Helen Panos. I am an educator, speaker, mentor, and author. I believe in the importance of helping children reach their potentials, so they will become well-rounded, intelligent citizens with positive influence and impact in society. Join me to hear from experts who can help give parents access to the best skills, strategies, tools, and resources to help their children be successful and ultimately excel in the world. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I'm glad you're back with us again today. I am here with a special guest, Ursula Lentini. Hello, Ursula. How are you doing?
1: Great, Helen. Thanks for having me. I always love being on your show.
0: Oh, thank you for for agreeing to join us. Um, I wanted you to uh, tell the, the audience a little bit about your company, you know, what you do and how you got there.
1: Okay. Well, I, um, the company is called Healing with Ursula and I do healing work. I do a lot of different types of healing, but basically I come from a spiritual point of view and all religions are spiritual so i can talk to any belief system and even atheists i think that they're spiritual so it's kind of funny like i just see things from an energetic point of view where the foundation is love intelligence and power Um, love is our greatest power and when we apply love to healing the parts of us that are upset uh, when we apply love to self-respect, self-esteem, then everybody wins. Oh, I agree. That's I, I do one modality called uh, internal family systems, and we're working on the subconscious. So when we try to move forward in life, but something keeps holding us back, or we know we need to behave in a certain way, but we just don't seem to do it, then all of that's embedded in the subconscious. Every way we respond to something or the way we approach something is subconscious. Hmm. Okay. 90% of our actions and reactions come from the subconscious. So that's where I go to do the work. Awesome. Now, how did you get into this kind of work? It's called internal family systems and it's a modality. So I've been properly trained, you know, I don't know, long a time ago. And I've done this for several hours. Uh, several, I've done over 4,500 sessions. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So. I know I know I know how to get in, I know how to take care of people. and uh, it's great. I also have been a youth minister. That's why I love what you do because it's child related. and I've taught children their their own spirituality. You know, what is it to love yourself? What is it to rely on your intuition? What is it to speak your truth? What is it to have boundaries? You know, what do you think spirituality means to you? because our religions can teach things. But then individually, every person has their own absolute belief system. Mm-hmm. So I ask these children, you know, to to think about things and be and have critical thinking and have good listening skills. Um, I specialize in teenagers because I've gone to camp with teenagers and they've made their own workshops. And then we do workshops all day of uh, uh, indwelling right? They're managing emotions, managing attitudes, understanding where their feelings coming from, good communication skills. Mm -hmm. So uh, I can talk to any teen and you have to really kind of know teens in order to be able to communicate with them because they turn, a child turns into a stranger when they turn into a teenager. Mm -hmm. So there's a giant disconnect between parent and teen because of the communication style that the teen is now Um, kind of moving in because of the chemistry. Uh They're they are bombarded with chemistry. They're grieving the death of their childhood. Mm -hmm. They're looking at adulthood, not having a clue what that looks like or what they want to be when they grow up because they, they haven't explored that enough and feeling very disconnected and discouraged. You know, it's hard being a teen. And in this COVID time, in this pandemic time, I think teens are suffering more than the elders because we all society look at the elders and think, oh, my, how scary, you know, because they're the ones dying. They're the ones who are susceptible. But socially, teenagers are uh, hitting getting hit hard worse mm-hmm. because in our animal nature. And if you like study the animal kingdom, mm-hmm. right, you're like, oh, the bears are in their adolescent time and this is when they fight and, and, and uh, roll around and, and, you know, compete. In our animal nature, uh, there's a period where these teenagers need to socialize. Preteen and teenagers, there's a need for socializing. As adults, we're like, oh, it's okay. You know, I'll talk on the phone or what. But with children, they really need to be with their peers, just hanging out. They don't even have to like do something specifically it's something in their psyche and their development of socializing and blending in and referring and learning and talking and sharing and all of that. It's like a need.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So uh, I really have a big heart for that age group who's struggling right now.
0: Yeah, they sure are struggling. I agree. They do need uh, their peers with them to talk about Yeah. That. Yeah. See them, not just talk because they can talk on the phone. A lot of them are on TikTok or they're on Snapchat. That doesn't really count.
1: <laughs> right. It's, a, it's okay, but it's not just being free, being outside, you know, going for a walk, hanging out like teenagers have done for centuries. Mm-hmm. Right. I remember we were
0: talking earlier and, you know, we were talking about what did we do when we were teens? So we're outside all the time playing. Yep. Walking. Yep. Walking, playing sport. Hanging out
1: in, in the
0: park. My twin and I used to go outside and throw the ball, the softball, because I would play softball. He was playing baseball. So we would go to a, a school park near our school and play there. But we would do it on our driveway. So, yeah, there's just something about, I don't know, physical activity along with mm-hmm. relationship
1: building, let's say
0: hmm. So tell us your journey about how you got to where you're at today. I know you've got a metaphysics background, too. Yeah.
1: So I would say looking back, I've always had this slant, but it's always been in the background. You know, I tried to be do businesses and different things that were more acceptable by the world. Mm-hmm. And then the last career I had was a real estate agent. I was a broker. I was on the board of realtor, Atlanta board of realtors. I had, I was a chairperson and, uh, that crashed in 2008. And I said, okay, like I might as if if my whole world can blow up, I might as well be doing something that I really, really, really feel fulfilled. Like each day is something that's wonderful. And I just moved into this healing work Mm -hmm. And that's what I did. So I got educated in the two years. Luckily, I uh, saved and I was able to sustain while I deeply educated myself on the internal family systems, the subconscious and the pranic healing, which is a sophisticated energy healing modality, working with all the chakras. An engineer created it. So it's not woo-woo. It's very logical and practical. And anybody can learn how to do pranic healing. I think every parent should be a pranic healer because especially with the little ones, because you can uh, scan and figure out what's going on with them. And you don't have to run to the doctor every five minutes when you're like, oh my God, what's happening? Because the children, the little ones don't know how to communicate what's going on and what are they feeling? Is this emotional nature? Is this physical nature? You know, where what's going on here?
0: Yeah, good point, yeah. So tell us, um what do you think is an important thing that parents tend to miss about their children?
1: Yeah, this is very, very interesting because when parents, you know, you have a a, a system, right? You have parents, maybe you have two parents these days. Usually it's just one. But when there's a parent and there's a, there's a pecking order in a social system within the family, mm-hmm. you got the eldest kid, you got the boy, you got the girl, you got the this, you got... And then a parent who is not... Tracking or expressing or understanding their emotions, right? When they're not in touch with their emotions, somehow energetically, it just gets denied, but the little one carries it. Mm. So say dad has anger issues, but he's just suppressing it and he's not really dealing with it. The child will, the the most sensitive child or the youngest child will pick it up Mm and run it. And then everyone's like, what's the matter with this kid? <laughs> and then when I understand what's going on in the family dynamics, I'm like, oh, he's carrying the father's emotions because the father's not really uh, owning them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then the kid gets in trouble. Yeah. And it's the father who's really mad at the kid because the kid's running the father's energy. Huh. And the kid's like, I don't know why I behave this way. And the father's like, well, you have to stop it. You have to suppress that. You know, that's not, you know, and then it's like, oh, Thank God, you're acting like me, <laughs> right. but they won't admit it um, And because children are like sponges is what's happening. They don't, they're not, their brain is not developed enough to be very discerning. And their parents are gods when mm-hmm. they're children, you know, they, they, they hang the moon, they rule the world, like without their parent nothing's going to exist. Mm -hmm. So their parents are these giant figures in their world. And of course the child is gleaning you know, emotionally stress, the stress that the parents are, the child is carrying it. Like, where's that stress go? It's in the house floating around and the children are like sponges. They're learning, they're tracking. They're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? And they're, they're studying everything. And that's how they learn, but they're learning emotionally. They're learning energetically they're learning like, oh, you know, somebody's stressed out right now. I have to be quiet. I have to be small. So they're learning behavior. They're learning cause and effect. And parents don't, they're, they're not even conscious that their emotions are affecting their child, that their drinking habits are affecting their child, that their their uh, disassociation, like, I, I can't deal with you. I'm going to zoom out on the TV. And the child's like, I need you. I need you. And they're like, oh, it's okay. Yeah, they give them the device and say here, keep busy. <laughs> yeah, so I think parents are not tracking uh, the, you know, how they are affecting their children.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right about that. <laughs> they probably are not. <laughs> I have to think if I had a child, I, it's just about awareness. Like you really have to be aware about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I've not thought that before now. There's Mm -hmm. issues out there. And like you said, they're like a sponge and they do pick up on everything you're doing. Yeah. Um, So you often talk about being an empath. What does that mean? And how does it affect children?
1: Good. Empaths, uh, you know, when, when we're pre two years old, when we're born, I say we come from heaven, right? That's like, where does the baby come from? It's not stork. Like we come from a consciousness that is beautiful, that is of love. Like there's no baby that you look at and you're like, oh, it's just a kid. We're always in like, wow, look at this little miracle. Oh my God. Like it's a whole human being. How awesome. And then, when um we hit the terrible twos, we get the, our brain develops enough to say, "Oh wait everybody's not connected to me. there's some sense of separation i'm crying i'm I'm upset, and people are not coming like wait a minute, like I want them to come." Oh, they must have a different willpower than I. My willpower is not controlling them. So we go through the sense of separation. It's very upsetting because when we were babies, everybody was connected. There was, there was a sense of, you know, you can see when a baby looks at a person, they're looking at them in a, in a very loving way and they're feeling connected. Or you see some people, you know, they're kind of cold and stiff and the baby's like, oh, I don't, I don't really want to go to that person. Mm-hmm. Right. So the babies are feeling everything and they feel connected to everything. The, the terrible twos happen, they separate. Empaths still feel way connected to everybody like babies do. So an empath will again, like a, a mom will be all upset, like something's not going right with her job. She'll come home and she's like, I can't let the family know, you know, that I'm freaking out. So she'll pretend she's OK. But an empathic child will like, oh, my God, you know, and then they'll feel the stress. But they're like, mom's pretending it's okay, so I'm going to pretend it's okay. But they still feel the stress or they watch something on TV that's really scary and they feel terrified because that's it's more real for them than somebody's like, oh, it's just a TV show. It's just a TV show. You know, they're like, oh, my gosh. And they can't there's no sense of separation emotionally between what's going around them. So in this place of isolation, there's more depression
0: mm-hmm. because
1: isolation does cause depression as well as some heart diseases and, and stroke. And like there's an increase statistically CDC, there's an increase in certain things be- caused just by isolation. Mm-hmm. So an empath will be picking up all of this stuff going on and they don't even know why, like you're like five years old, why are you depressed? because everybody's depressed, right? So that's the kind of thing that's empathic. Um, They just feel everybody's feelings. So when they get into a group situation, it can be overwhelming for them. So then the parents bring them into a doctor and they're like, hey, my kid can't socialize. You know, they're having little breakdowns. They could be empathic, but the doctors don't know that term. So they're like, oh, let's just give them some medication,
0: looking at the science and, right, what they've been trained to do.
1: <laughs> right, right. So empathic basically is somebody who feels other people's feelings and they kind of can't help it. Mm-hmm. There there are ways to manage that, and that's something I teach, but most of the time we have no idea.
0: Are those kids more sensitive, would you say? To
1: Absolutely. So yeah. there's, a, I'm, I'm sure you're aware, the highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. There's a whole teaching on that, and many of those kids who are highly sensitive, anybody who's highly sensitive can be empathic. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily one in the same, but it's a double.
0: Yeah, I see. Yep. It might be more prone to that track. Exactly. Oh, interesting. Very good. Okay. Each person is so different. Um, When parents have more than one child in the house, which a lot of them do, how can you keep? rules that work for everyone in a household. That's a great, that's
1: a big, yeah, that's a big problem, right? Because, and then I say what I like to do with families that I work with, because I'll I'll work with everybody in a family, you know, one-on-one sessions when a family has family meetings. So every Saturday or Sunday, everybody gets together and they deroll I'm not the father anymore. I'm not the mother anymore. I'm not the oldest anymore. I'm not the only girl in the family anymore. I'm just, and everybody's just people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They're just people. Okay. You're a four-year-old person. You're an eight-year-old person, but everybody's just people. So there's an equality there. And then they can just speak about what's going on with them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the mom might be like, you know, I'm so stressed and this is what's going on with me. And then the kids are like, oh, she's not just my mom. She's a person.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, I just think she's here for me, but she's not. She's like a, a person. So then they get to see their mom as a person because they've derolled during this family meeting. And then you could and then every, then the four-year-old doesn't have to be the baby. The four-year-old can be like, I think this and I feel that. And then we're like, Oh, I didn't realize that was going on, because we always see that person how we see them instead of how they see themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when you say, Okay we have to make rules here. Who's chore, who, you know, we need chores. Like everybody has to contribute. And the nine-year-old might be like, Hey, you know, I'm doing all the chores and this five-year-old is not doing any chores. <laughs> well, the, f- the five-year-old can't do chores, but the five-year-old can do something. Mm-hmm. So then the five-year-old can decide like, well, yeah, I can do this. And then the eight-year-old's like, you can do more than that. And then five-year-old's like, "Well, yeah, I probably could. And when children are invested into solving family problems, it's amazing the solutions that they will come up with. Mm. Because given the chance to be held accountable, now they have self-respect because the other family members are like, can you do that? They'll be like, yes, I can do that. You guys think I can't do that, but I can do that.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. I take up some kind of duty that or, you know, chore that they now aren't, uh, I don't know, I guess, um, what am I thinking of the word? Like, they're just, they might have not thought that before, but they're right. fired to do that because now they're, I like the fact that you're saying family meetings. That's, that's a great idea. Do you suggest people have family meetings?
1: I do. I totally do. I mean, it's going to go sideways for a few times until they get some skills. <laughs> Um, and I'll conduct family meetings to train them, to teach them nonviolent communication and how it goes. And remember, we're derolling. You just pulled the mother card right there, you know. So it's just it's just good to have like everybody's equal just for an hour or, or hour and a half, depending on how many issues are going on. Because if there is an issue going on, that gives a time and a space for it to be addressed. -hmm. Right, because everybody's so busy, no one's noticing. You know, the twelve-year-olds not not eating. You know, some of their meals this week. Mm -hmm. But one of the kids could say, "Hey, you know, so and so's not eating," and everyone's like, "What?" So then, now there's more awareness. Or if somebody has an announcement of some kind, like you know, uh, I don't know, then the family can say, like, "Oh, okay, I didn't know that was going on." Just curious if you have
0: a, a child that's gone off to college. Yet you have a I don't know a sophomore, let's say, at home or a junior, or or a little less, whatever in age, is it best to include that that college student into those meetings anymore or not? If they're coming, yes, to- yes, yeah.
1: yes, because some of the kids could be missing the older one that went away. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what happened in my family. I had no idea that my sister was grieving my departure because I was so busy having fun. And then because she was like, cause I was like the protector, right? Like, I'm like, I'm the older sister. And I was always getting the grief from the parents and everything. So when I split, they were like, okay, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, you know, like, okay. so I didn't realize that my departure caused a riff, you know, in the, the three, my mom, dad, right. and my sister, they
0: might, you know, they might have good solutions too, right. the to college. And what's great about that is if they're not in town, they can use Zoom. Exactly. Exactly. Zoom. That's exactly. awesome. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, I have been hearing a lot of preteen and teens struggling, especially right now with, uh, let's say, self esteem. I think that's a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an educator, I've always seen that. What do you think is going on there?
1: Well, because of this COVID thing, this pandemic thing, and the isolation. Uh, we are paying attention to the elders because they're the ones who are in jeopardy because of their health and you know the age group and their immune system and so on. So society in general is like, oh, the elders, the elders. And me as a, a person who's very aware of many age groups, understands that the teens are animalistically, we, they need socializing mm-hmm. and they're being deprived of that. Mm -hmm. And it is uh, critical, critical that they are able to socialize and just hang out with their friends, Mm -hmm. just be a part of a group, a community, Uh, even if they're the oddball in the group, at least they belong to a group, Mm -hmm. because all of this isolation is very poor for our health in general, adults can kind of, uh, you know, Figure it out out and and negotiate and kind of navigate through it. Mm -hmm. But teenagers, because of their chemistry, right, their hormones are all over the place. They need that bonding with other children. Mm -hmm. And depending on the individual, it could start at 11. You know, it doesn't have to be 13 and up. Um, but that need for, for connection and somebody who sees them for a person and you're not the kid, you're, you're a real person and somebody to talk to on a, on a peer level, um, somebody to compare, like, I'm feeling weird. Oh, me too. Okay. You know, because you don't get that in your family conversations, you're more individualized as a child with other, well, a young, you know, teenager or preteen, um, and, and it's really, it's important. We don't think socializing is important because we're fine, but they, it is very, very important to them. The suicide rates are up, the cutting is up, um, depression is up, uh, uh, you know, it's just really, really self-harm is going on. And if they had a friend to talk to, if they had a little group that they met regularly, that would help, um, give them more sense of connection and love and purpose and belonging, which are Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Those are right on the bottom. That's right. And we're depriving that group who's starving, who lives off of that sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And we're taking that away from them saying you need to isolate.
0: And I want to add while we're talking about that, Ursula, that although your children might be in school because some are in school and others have chosen to keep them out of school. But whether they're there or not there, especially the ones that are in school, don't get confused parents about the fact you think they're getting the socialization there because schools have changed and that they cannot socialize even though they are in school and in person. Right. Teachers have a limited, you know, are limiting their reaction or, you know, attention to them and things like that because they can't get that close to them. So even – recess time things like that again they're not getting the social socialization they used to get so that's right to find parents that you still probably need to add more socialization on weekends or like ursula suggested once a week and or twice a week and if i was a child and i knew i'm going to meet with a group of my my friends every saturday morning let's say mm-hmm. I, really ha- I would really be looking forward to that i would yes think. And that, at least that keeps up their uh, positivity and them not falling into depression, things like that.
1: Right, right.
0: Um, Tell us about, I understand you have some rolling programs uh, that you offer.
1: Yes. Um, So if anybody who, you know, is listening to this and they're like, oh, I really would like to talk to Ursula and see what's going on in our family, I offer clarity calls so they can go to, they can reach out to me through Facebook Messenger. That's the easy way to go. Um, any social media that I have is UrsulaLentini.com, at Gmail, uh, YouTube. Um, but like Facebook is such an easy way to com- connect with me. And then we could set up a clarity call and then I can talk to them, find out what's going on and then let them know how I could help them. And they can decide, you know, if it's a good fit or not. I'm also teaching a course called going from overwhelmed to confident, because in this world of change, we don't know what's happening next. So this is how to inner resource. That's awesome. um, and that's an automated class. So they can watch it anytime, you know, whenever they feel like it. And then I have a rolling class where we're meeting twice a month. And it's talking about the spiritual laws and how we can apply them in our life.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's great. I'm all for improving their confidence level because that's a that's a big thing mm-hmm. in a college and they're away from you, parents. Now it's up to them to mm-hmm. stay confident and be able to get things done. And that's a, that's
1: for adults, because in this world of change, like we don't the things that we used to depend on, we can't depend on those things anymore. Mm-hmm. I agree. So it's inner resourcing from now on. Right. Exactly. Um,
0: so I added a couple of things in this season. Tell us your favorite quote or affirmation. And
1: this can- is one that I do for parents. Your children are not who you think they are. They are who they think they are.
0: Hmm. That's cool. Awesome. And then um, another thing I added was what are you thankful for? Right now. I'm thankful
1: for you, Helen, (laughs) because I know what you're doing and I see how many people you're helping. And I know that families are probably like, thank you, God, for Helen, because if you didn't have these resources and you didn't have the heart that you have to serve at the capacity that you do, they would, you know, what are they going to do? And I know you're, I know you're truly invested in your business and serving and giving good quality, honest, like, you know, I'm here to help. That's how you show up in the world. And I'm just grateful to know you and to know that you're doing that. Cause that makes me feel relieved. Like, Oh, okay. Helen's out there. Like, you know, we have a chance. <laughs> well, thank you for doing what you
0: do because I'm glad we're connected and I am able to provide these resources to parents. So that's the big part of why I did this podcast in the first place is because my favorite statement is parents don't know what they don't know. There is so much stuff out there. Do they have time to research it? Probably not. Some do, some don't. And if I can bring people of quality like Ursula to you all so that you can have her as a resource and you can reach out to her and talk to her and have a clarity call, please do so. It's there for you. So why not do it? Right.
1: That's right.
0: Well, thank you, Ursula. I appreciate your time so much today. I mean, it was very I've had great interviews today and I've really appreciated your time. Thank you.
1: I, I love to share like you do, you know, and I'm here to help. I'm here to serve. I don't want to see people suffer. And, you know, I'm grateful that I have tools that can help people so they can empower themselves and have a better life.
0: Awesome. Yes, I agree. Well, thank you very much Audis, you. For, um, for joining us today on Achieving Your, Your Child's Potential podcast. And we will see you again on the next episode. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Achieving Your Child's Potential podcast. I hope this episode has been insightful and inspirational. Whenever you're listening, be sure to go ahead and subscribe to get the next episodes and to join our email list by going to dynamuslearningacademycom slash podcast. You may also contact me if you need tutoring assistance for your child. I may be reached at Helen at DynamisLearningAcademy.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.